Well, welcome. Glad that you're with us. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church here in our online campus. It's super great having Pastor Tim Dalrymple with us, uh, flying in from Chicago, and it's a real blessing having him with us this weekend to lead us in worship. So, Tim, thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. And uh, just some exciting, really, news to share, and that is last weekend, our series campus was able to go back into the building. And my family and I were able to be there, present for that. It was a wonderful time to worship Jesus Christ together. And I just want you to know, I'm really thankful for that. It's a real answer to prayer that we've been praying for a long time. That God would open up the door, literally, for us to go through the doors in the Series Community Center and back into the building. And I'm just rejoicing. I'm rejoicing and I want you to rejoice. Big Valley Grace Community Church is one church with three campuses. There's a series campus, there's a Modesto campus, and there's an online campus right here. And it's a win for all of us when something great happens at any part of Big Valley Grace Community and Church. And so let's rejoice together uh, with what's happening on our series campus. Well, today we're going to continue in really a series that is based on the beginning of a sermon that Jesus taught. It's a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. The sermon's in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And the portion that we've been looking at during these weeks is really his opening lines. And it's the part of the sermon that is known as the Beatitudes. And it's where Jesus pronounces what it looks like to have a blessed life. And we're gonna continue in that together right now. And so I wanna encourage you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter five. I'm gonna read verses one through eight. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and they thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that last one right there, that's what we're gonna look at together this weekend. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And each one of these beatitudes, there's a bit of a, a formula in the way that the wording is structured that helps us understand what Jesus is trying to communicate. And in this one, blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart is the peace that lets us know that's the godly characteristic of the person who's blessed. They're pure in heart. And the next part, for they shall see God, that helps us understanding what type of blessing the person who's pure in heart receives. And so blessed are the godly characteristics of the person who's pure in heart because they're going to receive a blessing in they will see God. Now, 
I was thinking this week about how interesting the beginning of Jesus's ministry is. And this sermon really is at the front end of his ministry, but it's not the first things we have that are recorded of him teaching or preaching, but it's, it's one of the, f- the first things. But I was thinking about how, if you go all the way back thinking about Genesis and God creates the world and he makes this beautiful planet, And he forms a man, and he forms a woman, and he places them in this beautiful place called the Garden of Eden. And it was just, like, magnificent. And in that moment, God's creation and these two humans enjoying God's creation and God and how beautiful and awesome that moment is. And I was thinking about how much of a bummer it was in Genesis chapter three where we see that sin enters the world. The Bible teaches in the New Testament that when Adam ate the fruit, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And how much of a bummer that was for God in that moment. That here, his beautiful creation and these two beautiful individuals and then sin comes in and messes it up. And then I was thinking about how really the story of the Old Testament is God providing uh, salvation moments over and over. God rescuing. It starts right there in the garden, but over and over, God rescuing, God rescuing, God rescuing, because he had something in mind. He had a plan where he wanted to have intimate fellowship with his creation. And then I thought about how There comes to this moment at the end of the Old Testament where God kind of goes silent for about 400 years. And he's not speaking through prophets. There's this kind of empty silence of of activity. Now, God's still working, but the Bible doesn't have any recorded uh, words from God during that 400-year period of time. And I thought how interesting it is when God now brings Jesus, the son of God, Jesus is God, and Jesus is born and he comes to, to, uh, to, to repair and bring reconciliation between God and his creation, the people that God created. And I've always found it really interesting, the first words that Jesus preaches and, and while this is the Sermon on the Mount, and it is one of the first sermons we have recorded of Jesus, it's not the first words that we have recorded of him preaching. But the first words that Jesus preaches after he's baptized, after he goes into his period of temptation in the desert, and he comes back. In Matthew chapter 4, right before this passage... It records the first words in verse 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, and this was his message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was it. That was the message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that word repent, it means to turn around. And I think it's really beautiful that the first words of Jesus in his preaching are turn around, turn away from this life of sin and turn around back towards your creator, back towards the holy God who created you, who wants to have intimate relationship with you. Repent, turn around and turn towards God because 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, you were built for the kingdom. It's God's design that you would be in the kingdom. That's what God longs for you, is that you're a part of his kingdom. It's why he created creation. It's why he created Adam. It's why he created Eve, that they might belong to the kingdom. And from the moment Jesus begins preaching, he comes with the message, turn away from sin and turn towards the king and his kingdom. And when we come to this beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A beautiful picture that starts our understanding of what does that look like are the very first words of Jesus, and that are repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who turn away from a life of sin and turn towards a king who is holy and in his kingdom. So when we look at this passage, there's kind of two pieces to it. One is, blessed are the pure in heart. And the second is, for they shall see God. And I began to think about what does it look like to see God? What is it? There are moments in scripture where individuals actually saw God and they were basically blown away. Uh, you know, in, in moments where uh, God on his throne is revealed to people in scripture, you see them recognizing their sin. You see them falling on the ground in worship. I mean, they're just literally blown apart because the power of the glory of God overwhelms them. Now, I've never had that happen where I had, you know, a vision of God in his glory. And I've not had that happen to me. So what are the ways that I have seen God working, and what are some of the ways that maybe you have seen God working? I want to talk about those together this weekend. In fact, I want to look at how purity in heart leads us to see God working in three ways. God works in far more ways than these three ways, but these three ways are clear, distinct ways that each person who's a follower of Jesus can look at and say, I can see God working in that way. So let's look at them together. The first way, way number one, that we see God working is in regeneration. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is looking backward. This is looking to the past and saying this is a way God has worked. Because regeneration is salvation and it's grace transforming us from death to life. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you've experienced salvation And if you have salvation, that means that grace has transformed you from a place of spiritual death to a place of spiritual life. And if that is true about you, then you can confidently say, I have seen God work in my life. I have seen God in my life because he has brought regeneration to me. He has brought salvation to me. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears these words, hears my words, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I ask you this question. Have you seen God work to give you new spiritual life? Is that true about you? If that's true about you, that's something to celebrate 
And we want to celebrate that with you. If that's not true about you or you're, you're unsure, I want you to know right now is the right time to place your faith in Jesus Christ, in him alone for your salvation. Today is the day of salvation for you. And I want to encourage you to simply trust in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ in his payment for sin on the cross was enough to satisfy your debt of sin. I just want to encourage you right now, place your faith in Jesus Christ. Trust in Jesus Christ because seeing God work in your life, it begins with trusting in Jesus Christ and having him regenerate your life from spiritual death to spiritual life. And if today is the day that you're trusting in Jesus Christ, after our gathering, I want you to reach out to Pastor Brandon, our online campus pastor, and I want you to have a conversation with him. Contact him, have a conversation with him, and allow him to walk with you and talk with you about what it means to place your faith in Jesus Christ. It is our joy to walk with you as you place your faith in Jesus. Way number one is regeneration. Now, when we look at somebody who has had a life become regenerated by Jesus Christ, it's something to celebrate. In fact, there's something built into the life of the church that is about the celebration of this moment, and Jesus commanded that we do this to celebrate the regenerated life, and that is baptism. Baptism is a symbol of when you go under the water, that's saying you died to your old life. And when you come up out of the water, that's saying you have new life in Jesus Christ. The symbol of baptism is the symbol Jesus determined would be how people would publicly profess that they have a regenerated life, that they're seeing God work in their life. And I want to challenge you, if you haven't been baptized, would you let us help you take that step? We want to help you be baptized. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, a good next step of obedience for you is to be baptized because it's an opportunity for you to publicly, outwardly display, I've seen God work in my life. He's regenerated me from spiritual death to spiritual life. I want to share with you some moments in my family that were just really awesome. This first one is a picture of my wife down at the river, and uh, it's, you know, it's an old picture, so it's not in sharp HD. But that's actually Pastor Rick. And uh, you may not recognize him. His hair is brown in this picture. But that's Pastor Rick, and he's baptizing my wife. My wife was in high school, and she was not my wife at this moment. We were high school kids. But that was a great moment, and I was really excited to be here. In fact, this next picture is a picture of the two of us on the shore after she got baptized. That was an exciting moment for me. I was really excited for her. I thought she was really cute. I really liked her. And uh, we were there together. That was a really great moment. I was really glad to celebrate in my wife's life as she was baptized. Another picture here is of my son, Gavin. This is in this white tub here, is actually in the venue. We put a hot tub in the venue building on the Modesto campus, and that was a great moment. He had just come back from a missions trip with me, and we were celebrating what God was doing in his life as he was placing his faith in Jesus and following Jesus, and he publicly professed Jesus Christ. And uh, that little kid is bigger than me now, and that was a great moment when I baptized my son, Gavin. He's now at college down in Riverside. The next photo here is my son, Angel, and this was just a couple years ago, and uh, Angel had just come to faith in Christ. 
about three years ago, and he had placed his faith in Jesus. He had made the decision he wanted to be baptized, and it was a real honor and joy to baptize and to celebrate with Angel how he had experienced regeneration in his life. He, God had given him spiritual, he passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. On that same day, I baptized my next son, Merrick. And the same thing, Merrick had placed his faith in Jesus. He wanted to go public with his faith. And I've got to baptize two of my boys on the same day. That was a great day in the Boone family. This last one here is my son, Eiler. This was about a year ago, year and a half ago. And I uh, got to baptize him. And in baptizing my children, it helped me understand the line that's in the Gospels where it says that the father at the moment of Jesus' baptism said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. It was a really great moment just to celebrate my kids placing their faith in Jesus Christ and wanting to go public with him. And I want you to know, we want to help you do the same thing. And so... Maybe during this gathering, maybe on the Connect card, maybe after the gathering, you're going to reach out to Pastor Brandon. We want to help you take that step of being baptized. Way number one is regeneration. We look to the past and we see God regenerated our life. Way number two is renewal. And this is where it gets really practical together for us right now. And this is about the present. This is about God changing our lives right now. We see God working in our lives right now. And sanctification is grace transforming us from worldly to God's will. This way number two is a way that we see God actively working in our lives right now to transition us away from desiring sin, away from desiring to live like this world, and desiring holiness and desiring his will. In Romans chapter 12, verses one through five, it says this. I'm gonna read verses one through two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God desires you to be continually to be transformed. You're transformed at the time of regeneration and you're continually being transformed in sanctification, in this renewal process. And I just ask you, are you seeing God work in your life right now where you're aligning your life to his will? You know, renewal starts with Jesus. Jesus regenerates our life and now he sanctifies us. And he changes our thinking, and as he changes our thinking, it helps our desires to align with God's will. Now, I want to give you 10 ways that you can check right now to see if God's working in your life. And these 10 are going to be really easy to remember because these 10 are based on the 10 commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, we see the 10 commandments. But what I'm going to share with you is how we see the 10 commandments show up in the book of Ephesians. And so I'm going to explain 10 ways that you can right now, you can check, is God working in my life in this way? Do I see God working in my life? And as I walk through these, it'll be a, a good opportunity for you just to ask the question, which one of these ways is God wanting to renew me right now? So when we see in this verse that we'd be transformed by the renewal of our mind, it's so that we would understand what the will of God is. So what is God's will? What is God's will? 
Well, that's the question we ask here, and we're going to answer it by looking at these 10 things. Again, these are based on the 10 commandments, how they show up in the book of Ephesians. So this first one is that we would acknowledge God is God. You see, the first commandment is you shall have no other gods. Well, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, talks about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We understand through the scriptures that there's one God, there's three persons. We need to acknowledge that God is God. If you want to see God show up in your family, then in your family you need to acknowledge God is God. If you want to see God show up in your workplace, then in your workplace you need to acknowledge that God is God. You know, I read a recent survey from the State of Theology from Legionnaire Ministries, and it said that one out of every three people who sit in a church do not believe that Jesus is God. One out of every three people who sit in an evangelical Christian church in the United States of America do not believe that God is God. It starts with you acknowledging God. The second thing is re representing the image of God. We understand that we were made in God's image. Genesis tells us that. The second commandment is you're not to make any uh, graven images or not have any idols because we were meant to bear the image of God. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, we understand that when we place our faith in Jesus and he regenerates our life, we've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life, God places at that time the Holy Spirit of God as a seal of our redemption. And so the Holy Spirit of God is a guarantee sealing our life. So you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. See, one of the things that we have to be really careful of is being so concerned with our outside appearance that we're not paying attention to the inside condition of our soul. It's not that you would look like a Christian. It's that on the inside, you would live like a Christian and it would pour out of your life. And so I wanna encourage you. You have an opportunity to represent the image of God. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. That's a way that you can see God work right now. The third way, speak graciously to build others up. The third commandment is to not use the Lord's name in vain. Well, if people have been made in the image of God, then you shouldn't speak disparagingly about other people. In Ephesians 4.29, it says that we should speak in such a way to where it builds others up. That it's actually giving grace to other people with our words. You have the opportunity to build other people up with your words, but you also have the opportunity to tear them down with your words. You know, if you are talking about a person and you begin to speak negatively about that person, you are slandering them. That's not good. Don't be a person who slanders other people by speaking about people and then speaking negatively about them. That's not the life that God has for us. God wants us to speak in such a way to where it would graciously build others up. Another way that's really sneaky, you gotta be really careful of it, is being sarcastic. Sarcasm can turn into slander really quick. You gotta be careful. Gotta be careful with sarcasm. The fourth way is to gather to worship God with other believers. And the fourth commandment is that you would honor the Sabbath and you would keep it holy. Well, in the New Testament, it's not the formal Sabbath that we keep, but we represent the Lord's Day. We recognize the Lord's Day. It said on the first day of the week that the disciples would gather. And so we, re we, we celebrate the Lord's Day together. In Ephesians 5, 29 through, or 19 through 21, it talks about that when we gather together, we would pray and we would sing and we would have hymns and spiritual songs and psalms together and that we would build one another up as we speak the scripture together and as we pray together well you got to be together you got to be with other people this would be a great moment for you maybe you're right now on the online campus and you're by yourself I just want to extend the challenge next week invite somebody with you 
Be together as you worship in the online campus so that you can live this out. You can sing and encourage one another with your words. You can see God work in that way. The fifth way, submit to various authorities. In the Ten Commandments, number five is honor your father and mother. That's all about learning authority in the home. In Ephesians chapter six, verses one through nine, it talks about the relationship between parents and children. It talks about the relationship between masters and bond servants. And I just wanna encourage you that submitting to various authorities, that's a way that God, you can see God working in your life. And it starts in your home and then it, it goes out from there. And so maybe a great question would be in your home or in your close relationships, where are some places where you can uh, see God work in your submission to various authorities? Number six, says, forgive those who have wronged you. Remember, the sixth commandment is do not murder. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the, the devil an opportunity really to screw up your life and screw up other people's lives. But to forgive, forgive those who have wronged you. I'm sure it won't take you very long right now to think about somebody you can forgive. Just ask, who am I upset with? Who bugs me? Who am I frustrated with? That's an opportunity for you to see God work right now in your life. Forgive those who have wronged you. Number seven, uh, honor the marriage bed. Remember the, the seventh commandment is don't commit adultery. Well, Ephesians 5, 3 says that we shouldn't even be any kind of hint of sexual immorality, not even a little bit, no, no, no sexual immorality at all amongst God's people. It's really about honoring the marriage bed. It, 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 it matters if you're married and it matters if you're single. Honoring the marriage bed matters. Having sex be reserved for marriage in God's sight, that matters whether you're married or you're single and how you operate. But it goes beyond that and it goes beyond how you talk and it goes, it goes to how, what you think about. And this might be an opportunity for you to take a step to really see God work in your life. That you would really honor that marriage bed. Number eight is respect the property of others. The eighth commandment is don't steal. Well, in Ephesians 4.28 says, no longer steal. Let the thief no longer steal, but go to work. Earn something so that you can share with others. And then you would respect the property of others. God's given you stuff. God's given other people stuff. And you want to respect how God has blessed each person. Number nine is tell the truth. The ninth commandment is that you would not lie. Uh, and so you want to tell the truth. Ephesians 4.25 is talking about speaking the truth and have the words of truth be on your life. And that's, that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. And I want to encourage you, um, there are, you know, what's your standard of truth? And this would be the standard of truth that you would have. Um, if you want to know what truth looks like, that you would take this and you would read it and you would see that, uh, that God's going to build truth into your life. Number 10, walk with the heavenly inheritance. Ephesians 5, 5 talks about that we shouldn't walk in this way of covetousness. The 10th commandments do not covet, but that we should walk understanding we have an inheritance. You've got to be reminded of what it is you possess. See, God's blessed you with heavenly blessings. That's what you possess. And you should walk in such a way to where you realize how wealthy in Jesus you are. Because when you realize how wealthy in Jesus you are, you're not looking at everybody else's physical material stuff and coveting it and longing for it. So which of these 10, I'm gonna read through them again. Which of these 10 is a way that maybe God, you could see God start to work in your life right now. One, acknowledge God as God. Two, represent the image of God. Three, speak graciously to build others up. Four, gather to worship with other believers. Five, submit to various authorities. Six, forgive those who have wronged you. Seven, honor the marriage bed. 
Eight, respect the property of others. Nine, tell the truth. 10, walk with a heavenly inheritance. Which one of these is an opportunity for God to invite you to see him work to renew you and renew your life? I would encourage you to take that step. Way number two is renewal. It's sanctification. It's grace transforming us from worldly to God's will. Way number three, and I'm really briefly gonna just share this one. It really points to the future, but it's redemption. And this is about the promise See, glorification is the term that the Bible uses for when God changes our bodies to a heavenly body with him in heaven. And glorification is grace transforming us from hoping, which is what we're in right now. We're in a state of hoping, hoping for heaven one day. Well, glorification is grace transforming us from that place of hoping to the place of heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18, it says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. That's going to be a big scene. That's going to be a big deal when Jesus returns. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Are you expecting to see God work in your life to redeem you for heaven? Do you see that God is working? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You may have already seen God work in regeneration and salvation. You need to be seeing God work right now in renewal and the sanctification process in your life. And we really hope, as we look forward to seeing God work in redemption, when he glorifies us and brings us to heaven. As I close, I want to share with you that we got a great ministry at Celebrate Recovery uh, at Big Valley Grace called Celebrate Recovery. And it's based on the Beatitudes. And I just want to share with you some of the steps and the biblical principle that's based on this Beatitude right here, Matthew 5a. So Celebrate Recovery step four is this. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That's Celebrate Recovery step four. In Lamentations 3.40 let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Celebrate recovery step five. We admitted to God, to ourselves and another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Man, that's, that's a big deal, right? To be that honest, to be that open, to be allowing God to work sanctification that you'd say, hey, I've done some things and I'm gonna be very specifically uh, confessing those things to God and to another person. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for another that you might be healed. Celebrate recovery. Biblical principle number four is openly examine and confess my, fault, my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. And the passage that is used for that is this passage right here, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to remind you, you were built for the kingdom of heaven. Things went south in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus came to give you the opportunity to turn away 
from sin and to turn towards your creator, turn towards your king, and turn towards the kingdom of God because you were built for the kingdom. And there is a blessing for the pure in heart because you will see God. And I want to invite you to take a practical step today. Take one of these 10 things, take a step in the direction of Jesus. You might see God working in you. Father God, Lord, we love you. It's been a real privilege to gather to worship Jesus. We hope that you're honored and you're glorified in everything that we say and everything that we do. And so, Lord, um, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this Sermon on the Mount. Thank you for the Beatitudes. Thank you for this blessing, Lord, that we're invited in to be pure in heart with you, that we might see you working in our life. And so, God, we recognize that our purity is in you and it's in you alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.